weird when it's just the two of us. Yeah. Just the two of us. We, we can, can podcast, podcast if we try. try. Just the two of us. <laughs> Steve and I. Just the two of us. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I might make that the opening of the episode. It's fine. You have that power. <laughs> Unless you had anything particularly insightful or witty or you were going to say. No. Roll the theme music. Someone was telling me they actually preferred the old theme music. Who? Ryan Hunt. Ryan Hunt? Get out of here, Ryan. The new theme music's way better. Yeah, I mean, he's one of our most uh, enthusiastic listeners, so I'm not going to comment. Well, tell him to fuck off. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If you don't keep this in the episode, then we have to take that clip and send it to him. (laughs) Oh, no, sorry, Ryan. We value your listenership. Keep listening. Tell a friend. We love you. I was like, I actually... I asked him for, um, I, he hadn't, hadn't, like he used to send me messages like pretty enthusiastically at the start. So I was wondering, was he still listening? I want to get more feedback. So I said, oh, have you been keeping up with the pod? And then he sent me back a Facebook message saying, uh, I'm registered as an atheist on the census, but yes, I'm still a Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait. No, 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 I was not asking that question. But I just wanted some feedback. Now I sound like a bigot. Oh, can we keep this in the show? Sure. Oh, fuck, that's funny. In fairness to him, oh. I had we had been talking about other stuff beforehand, perhaps with the context of like um, Protestant constitutional kings and then he's like suddenly changed subject and said I've been keeping up with the pod so then for some reason <laughs> <laughs> but my reaction was just like what what's he talking about oh oh god he missed a letter and if he thought I actually put that in there that's such a horrible thing to say to someone from the Church of Ireland community are you still yo a- yo 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 you keeping up with the prod <laughs> you still a prod <laughs> <laughs> For anybody that doesn't realize, obviously you know that Ireland is a majoritarian Catholic nation and these yeah. poor people are the minority. And usually when it was like, oh my God, I never met a Protestant before. But <laughs> you live beside lakes because you breathe underwater. Oh man. I think we should get straight into the news because it seems like there was a lot of shit that happened this week. Yeah. The last couple, the last while there really has been. But uh, yeah. Are you drinking? Uh, <laughs> do you want to know what my drink situation is right now? Go on. So... It's um, it's a hot day in San Francisco today, and on my way in here, I got a nice coffee because I wanted to pick myself up and also get something cold. But then I was like, oh shit, I should get a beer because, as is tradition. So I now have in front of me, um, in front of me, an ice cold beer and a nice cold coffee, and I guess I'm just going to fluctuate between the two depending on the energy of the show. <laughs> uh, that's not going to be a nice cocktail in your stomach <laughs> afterwards. But if it's like, oh, the energy's lagging, then I'm just gonna. <laughs> Uh, pound oh, some no. beer and I'm, loosen up a bit. Or I'm for, going yeah. too hard. I've got to drink some of the beer to mellow out. I think I've told you this story multiple times, but I don't know if I said it on the show. Uh, that time we recorded an episode with Jer, I think it was. And it was, it was like midday my time. And I had a couple of drinks while we were recording because the episode took longer to record than normal. And so I was a little bit drunker than I would like for middle of the day. <laughs> so I went to, uh, um, 
brunch place to get some food and just coffee just to try and get myself back onto a more um, acceptable brainwave. But I was eating breakfast and feeling better. And it was this type of thing where they just kept pouring black coffee for me. Um, but I was editing the podcast while I was eating and drinking my coffee and my cup is off to my side. And I didn't notice, but the lady kept coming up and topping up my coffee. And I didn't notice it because I was had my headphones in. And so while I was in the zone of editing, I ended up drinking about four cups of coffee. So I went from being like too drunk to way too buzzed. My body was all over the place. And I actually ended up going to a place across the road, another cafe that had like nice craft beers and getting a beer to try and pull myself back down again. So, and then that night I went home after finishing the podcast and I was just like lying awake in bed going, what's happening to my body? I'm simultaneously drunk, but I'm also really hyperactive. <laughs> yeah, that was it. But yeah, I got a nice, IP, nice IPA and a nice iced coffee. Oh, nice. I'm, uh, I'm on the white Russians myself. Nice classy clink of the glass there. Oh, glad you are. Mm, pretty soon we're going to be in the same uh, time zone and we won't have to do this weird uh, middle of the day drinking. Yeah, I mean, when I had no, to wake I up... I won't have to do this weird <laughs> middle of the day drinking. Unless we record in the middle of the day. It's still possible. Oh, God, please. I don't know. I want to put all this stuff behind me. This is, I feel like this is going to be a dark chapter in my life when I look back on it. <laughs> the podcasting days. <laughs> the podcasting, the dark days. What are we talking about? News. 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 <laughs> a lot of news. A lot of news. Politics. Hey, hey, politics. politics. <laughs> hey, politics. <laughs> yeah, it's been a busy, busy week in your your end of the of the world. Yeah. Uh, for a change. <laughs> Because it's always so quiet in America, yeah. politically speaking. Yeah. So Donald Trump, and since we've been talking, fired the head of the FBI, James Comey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the same person who he hugged and thanked for essentially getting him elected. Because James Comey, um, just before the election, uh, announced that he was reopening an investigation into Hillary Clinton, which just looked fucking terrible for Hillary. Mm-hmm. And everyone's pretty sure that that swung the election a couple of points, just enough for, for Trump to get over the line in the way that he did. Mm-hmm. So, but he was also in charge of the Russia event investigations, the investigations into Trump's, the Trump campaign's contacts with Russia. And that's still ongoing. There hasn't been like a definitive, clear result and like, opinion as to what's going on everyone everything's still essentially speculation they're still trying to figure out what's going on like mike flynn the he was the nsa director he had to step down because he um was shown to have lied about his connections to russia so mm-hmm. it keeps it, it just like i mean we don't even that will be an entire episode just to go over all the shit that's been going on about the trump campaign in russia mm-hmm. but everyone was kind of hoping that comey who was known as like an independent operator would be the man for the job to do, lead these investigations. And everyone, it's pretty sure that he asked for additional resources to be from the Department of Justice to be given to the FBI to help with the investigations. And then shortly mm. afterwards, he was fired. Not just mm. fired, but like Trump wrote him a letter and also simultaneously told the press. So just before Comey was to speak at an event in Los Angeles, someone goes, uh, Comey, you're... Uh, you're, you're gone. You're fired. It's like, and just re- it's on my phone. And he's like, what? Ha ha ha. Yeah, good one. Turned around and oh. seen, seen CNN breaking news. Comey fired. And he's like, oh God. That's a horrible way to find out. It was even, it was such a disaster of an operation that they didn't know if the FBI didn't know if they could give him a flight home because he was no longer a matter, a, a, like a, a, an employee of the federal government. It, it, it would have been improper. They had to actually make the decision to skip the rule and let him have a lift home on the on the on the work airplane on the <laughs> you'd have to walk Comey. <laughs> essentially that's what it would have been he just would have been walking off into the desert it would have like... been like the end of uh, the uh, hulk movie where yeah. that sad piano music <laughs> plays when he's hitchhiking <laughs> <laughs>
He's got a stick with a napkin with like his only worldly possessions left, his ties all disheveled and unbuttoned. <laughs> yeah, official FBI policy is we can't give you a ride home, but we can give you a tin of beans for your long walk. <laughs> <laughs> but he's actually, he's a huge guy. He's like apparently six foot eight. So maybe the Hulk what? is, yeah, he's huge. Well, he's okay. huge. Is that how he got the job? Of course. That's how George Washington became the first president. Everyone was like, he's the tall guy. Let's give him the power. <laughs> anyway, so so it's it's pretty, the motives behind this firing are pretty suspect. Yeah, they had, he, Trump whipped out a letter from the, I think he was the assistant uh, secretary of defense or of justice. Can't remember the official title or the dude's name, but basically he wrote a memo um, just after taking office back when they came in in January saying these are the bad things about Comey. And that's the memo that Trump used to justify firing him months later. Like, it's just, mm. it's ridiculous. Like, if if he if he was saying he was going to use that as the reason, why didn't he do it before? Why was he saying that he had confidence in his director and then turned around and fire him? It's just strange. So, first, Trump said he was always going to do it. Then he turned around and gave an interview saying that he decided to do it all of a sudden. And then his press people were, like, desperately trying to uncontradict themselves and they would give a press a, a speech and then he would tweet something different and it would just it was just all over the place at one point sean spicer the secretary apparently was hiding in bushes with his staff trying to discuss what was going on as they avoided the press <laughs> i'm imagining you know in the the um white house press briefing room um, he's standing there with a lampshade on his head, trying to be a lamp <laughs> <laughs> like a Scooby, like a Scooby Doo character hiding from a villain. Yeah, and then they go to the corridor. He's running out one door. There's the media are running through another, and it's just swapping and switching. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. That happened on, on the on the few days as, as all this thing was going. So, and then uh. Donald Trump, and then of course. There were some leaks. Not like Comey himself is a classy dude. He still has not publicly said anything, as far as I can tell. Right. He hasn't actually come but out. Is, and said, does, isn't he? Isn't he doing some sort of public? He wants the opportunity to speak in public at like an official at one of the investigations. So he like Congress or the Senate could invite him to speak at at a, at a committee, and mm-hmm. that's what everyone thinks might happen sometime soon. So he's asked for that right. Apparently, that's the one public thing he's done. Apart from that, he hasn't said anything. He's a classy dude. He, he knows that. Right. That's not how cool dudes run in politics, which is you know. It's against the grain these days. Um, but his friends and supporters and anti-Trump people have been leaking loads of stuff um, suggesting that Trump uh, asked for his loyalty like pretty soon after he took office, which is not, it's a strange one. Like, first of all, the F- the FBI is supposed to be like an independent operator. He shouldn't have to give loyalty to the president. He has to give loyalty to the office and to the country. So it's just strange. But then again, Trump's a fucking idiot. He probably didn't, he might not have realized the ramifications of what he was saying when he said, I want your loyalty. He just wanted to try and gauge where the guy stood, maybe just to find out if he was actually on side. Right. And Co- and then Trump, seeing all this stuff about Comey saying these bad things about him or thought it might have been Comey, but it wasn't actually, it was people supporting him and said, Comey better hope I don't release the tapes of our conversations. Whoa. <laughs> he said that in a tweet. And then everyone Trump was like, that? Trump said that. And then everyone freaked out going, holy shit, this is Watergate. This is Nixon. We need those tapes. So just for a bit of context there, Richard Nixon um, was the last properly insane, corrupt politician who got caught up in a scandal called Watergate, where he paid for people to break into the Democratic headquarters and steal information at the Watergate hotel or building part of hotel. I don't know. You remember it's in Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's the guy Mm -hmm. that um, brought them out. And he got stung because he recorded all his conversations in the Oval Office, including conversations where he told people to cover up 
the fact that they were involved in the Watergate scandal. So eventually they got the tapes and that's how Nixon had, was about to get impeached and ended up resigning. So everyone was like, Trump has tapes. We need these tapes for the investigations. And then now the White House is trying, it isn't officially saying there are tapes, there aren't tapes, but this is a whole new thing as well. Now Congress are going to want to get the tapes. The prosecutors are going to want to get the tapes. It's he, The guy is just inept. He can't do a single thing without fucking it up for himself and everyone. For sure. And then wouldn't it be funny if they were just like his demo tapes. <laughs> it was just like him doing SingStar or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he it's like it starts off like asking Mike Pence to drop some beats and then it's, it's Trump freestyling. <laughs> the day after he fired Comey, or maybe a couple of days, two days after, he met with the Russian ambassador and the Russian Secretary of Foreign Affairs, which is just dodgy as hell as well. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't invite any of the US press. The, the photographs that came out of the meeting came from the Russian press because the US press weren't invited to take pictures. It's oh, it's just all so strange. And then yeah. apparently at that meeting, he gave away classified information about um, um, potential terrorist attacks that are coming up. So every, and everyone freaked out about that because basically he's declassifying information that he shouldn't have been. So that information, it wasn't the American intelligence services didn't get it. They actually got it off an ally. And the ally mm. specifically asked that America not share it with anybody because it could potentially endanger their sources. And Trump just fucked it up and then revealed it to the Russians. And the Russians, it could be like a Syrian, they could go back and tell the people, they could actually turn around and tell the people where they got the sources, where it came from. And that, that person could die basically because of Trump's, Jesus. Trump's ineptness. And not only that, but he actually... It, it in a memo that was taken from the meeting, which just released yesterday. So when the president has these meetings, this is normal that someone takes notes and then shares it around with the different governmental departments. So everyone knows what, because the president's stance on a foreign nation is essentially American stance on a foreign nation. So other departments mm. need to know what's going on. So they get these memos, which are summaries of the meetings. And one of the summaries of the meeting memos contained a line of Trump saying, I fired that nut job, Comey. There's no more investigations on me. And he told the Russian, the Russian, the Russians this thing in the in the Oval Office. What? It's ah. so. Needless to say, this is one of the worst weeks for Trump and for people following American politics. And everyone is starting to use with gusto the I word impeachment. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, some small scale uh, Democratic Congress people stood up and actually asked for it. But it's important to note that he isn't actually. He's not likely to get impeached anytime soon because, number one, the Republicans control the House. They're not going to impeach their president. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. He, he would literally have to, those videotapes of him doing the dirty things with Russian prostitutes would have to come out for that to happen. And even then, they might not do it. Or he has to, like, be given a baby to kiss while, you know, touring around and he ends up, like, drop kicking the baby over <laughs> yeah. the wall. But then they'd probably get away with it somehow. It would be like, oh, that was, what about her emails? <laughs> That's what he shouts as he drop kicks the baby. <laughs> and the people in the crowd are like hey yeah what about what her emails, about her emails? <laughs> got so, some serious air with that baby <laughs> so the impeachment thing is <laughs> over the bar there's <laughs> 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 an umpire there <laughs> it's the president he can have what he wants if he wants to dropkick babies <laughs> wait there's can... an umpire waiting over there was he pre-planning on dropkicking this baby <laughs> did he organize this <laughs> so anyway, impeachment. Politics is so fun, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it, guys? Impeachment, right? Impeachment. 
He's not management. He's not going to get impeached anytime soon. The The Democrats don't have the ability to do it. So that's why even the top Democrats, don't, they want they want more power for the investigation so they can get facts on the record to actually find out what happened. And they're hoping that eventually some sort of smoking gun will come out that where the equivalent of Trump dropkicking a baby is there and they can go look at this guy and they can use that information of like, officially Trump is corrupt. He's in league with the Russians who hacked our democracy and they can use that to storm home at the uh, midterm elections and come back with control of the House and Senate. If that happens, then there's a chance mm. of impeachment. But we're, that's like two years away. That's right. It's a year. It's a year from this November. So it's not it's not anytime soon. We, right. We're, unless unless he resigns, we're going to have to live with him until at least then. OK, so, well, at least we'll get plenty of podcast fodder in the meantime. Uh, what else? What else is in the news? Elsewhere in the world, I suppose uh, we have to recognise that there's still an election going on in the United Kingdom. And they oh, still, that whole thing. How's that still, going? It's really boring. There's fuck all happening. <laughs> like, honest to Christ, I was so excited because of the, dr- the drama of how it was announced. But then I guess because everyone just knows that um, Theresa May is going to storm home, that everyone's just kind of like, eh. Uh, the manifestos got released uh, through the week. So Jeremy Corbyn steered Labour very much to the left. Uh, he's got a very socialist uh, manifesto. A lot of um, programs to try and help working people and poor people, that kind of thing. And boo the rich, yay the poor, that kind of thing, which is Mm -hmm. his prerogative. He's free to do that. And then the Tories and a lot of the media have freaked out by saying they're going to take us back to the 70s. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's it's an inevitable reaction. I I don't know. Anything that's been said about that kind of thing has been said to death. There's no point even concentrating on it. Right. Um, But he did say that he won't resign if he loses the election. Really? Which is going to be weird. I don't know if he means that or if he's just saying that now because obviously, like, he has to say... He's a show of strength. Kind exactly. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then if he does, that will be a whole other can of worms. If he refuses to resign and Labour are stuck with him for another five years, or at least, or perhaps, it would be terrible. It, it, like, the, the potential end of the Labour Party if a lot of the MPs who are anti-Corbyn who get re-elected decide to leave and set up, like, a new party or something. That's what's kind of being talked about. Labour 2, the sequel to Labour. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the Lib Dem ascendance, rescendency, whatever the correct English word is for it, never happens. That sounds like a cool sequel to Lib Dem if it was a movie. Lib Dem. Rescendency. Rescendance. Is rescendance a word? I don't think so. Resurgence. <laughs> ascendance or resurgence. I okay. think you're portmanteauing those two words. I don't care. I think, yeah, it's it's the Independence Day resurgence or in, was that what it was called? Independence Day resurgence, yeah. Did we go see that together? We went to go see that together. Yeah, I, I agreed to go because of Jeff Goldblum and it was the second time you've seen it. Jeez, that was a terrible movie though. Yeah, I can't believe I saw that twice. I know. <laughs> After, I, I was like, really, Richie? Really? And you're like, it was a lot more fun the first time. Yeah, because the first time I went to see it was in the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco where you can get dinner and drinks and stuff. Ah, and you're, so you're just Kate low- and I were just laughing at it and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And then the second time, it was when I was back in Dublin visiting and I was going to go hang out with you and this seemed like a fun thing to do to catch up with Steve, sit in a dark room and look at Jeff Goldblum for two hours. Um, and no. yeah, it was like halfway through the movie. He's like, I forgot this is so bad. Yeah, it was. Anyway, that's not relevant. <laughs> the Tory manifesto, that's relevant. Oh. Uh, the Conservative Party have released um, their most left-wing manifesto since Margaret Thatcher. So everyone's kind of commenting that Theresa May is kind of pulling the party in a new direction because she's trying to target the former Labour voters. That right. She's trying to make them like the really not nasty party. So mm. a lot of Liberals are chomping at the bit because they still say that, look, they're the Tories. They're not going to help poor people. They're basically lying to them just to get their votes. Whereas mm-hmm. some people are saying that it could actually be a real shift and that she's going to capture a lot of the center as well, which is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, all in all, boring election, nothing crazy so far. 
Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, Ireland has gone ahead and had its own little mini political drama. So Yeah, I heard. We've talked lots about how the serving Taoiseach, uh, head of the Irish government, has been, he's essentially, he, t- he said he wouldn't lead his party into the next election and that meant that everyone knew he would have to resign. So there was a bit of a scandal a couple of months ago invo- involving the police forces and everyone thought that he should resign at that point because of his mishandling of the situation. But he refused mm-hmm. to because I guess he didn't want to go down in like that kind of a bad situation because that would he be remembered for. He said, yeah. I'm going to leave when I'm ready. And he told everyone that when he came back from America after St. Patrick's Day, he would make his his uh, his intentions clear. But he mm-hmm. never did. It was like it took two months for him to finally actually on Tuesday, he turned up and said a half four. Uh, I'm resigning at midnight. So then the leadership battle to replace him within the party and obviously as the head of the government happened immediately. And there's before we get into that, yeah. uh, Steve, his name's Enda. Uh, yeah. I, I can only assume that the Irish media was ripe with Enda puns. Mm-hmm. End of the so, line, end of legacy. Yeah. And, is end uh, an era? Was that used? Uh, that's a good one. No, I didn't hear that one. Uh, that was or or inver- end of an end also works. End of an uh, end. End of days is that used? End of days was used. Yeah, that was that was okay. a hashtag. Okay, uh, end of watch. No, that was a good one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else did we? The great pretender. No, no, you. No, that's you, terrible. It's, it's, yeah, it's not working anymore. End is a weird name, isn't it? It is a weird name, and most lo- um, quite often it gets misspelled as Edna. Edna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, even in like English media, <laughs> and there's never you expect to see like some Edna Grabapel esque yeah. person, but it's this weird. Yeah, I was going to say like our, our Irish country is band. a sixty year old librarian. <laughs> well, he's a teacher, but not a librarian. Is he? He was a teacher. Well, he's been a professional politician since he was in his mid-twenties, but just before that, for a couple of years, he was a teacher. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so he's he's out. He's gone. He's retired. Well, no, he's, he's still the Taoiseach. Um, he will remain. He's not the leader of his party anymore. He resigned. So they're having a an internal election to replace him. And there's there was everyone thought there would just be two main candidates. Um, and that's all there was. Nobody else tried to challenge them. Um, there is Simon Coveney, who is a Cork politician who comes from a very... And well-to-do family. He also took his father's seat. Uh, he, he's he been a minister for quite a long time. He's pretty competent. Seems like a nice guy. Pretty good. Very tall, which is important in politics, good, as good, we discussed. Uh, he is up against a guy called Leo Varadkar, who is the son of an Indian doctor who moved to Ireland. And uh, so this guy was born to have uh, to an Irish mother and an Indian dad. And Grew up kind of like a, a good middle class life as well. I think they both went to private colleges. They both studied at maybe, well, I don't know about Simon, but Leo definitely studied at Trinity College, which is like the rich kid college here in Ireland, the rich kid university. Mm. Um, so neither Needless of them. say, Steve and I did not go to that college. <laughs> we did not. We went to the one that everyone forgets about. DCU for life. <laughs> the two of them, neither of them come from uh, working class backgrounds. And they're both quite like right wing, um, regular centre right politicians, the kind of people that you would expect to be running Fine Gael. So it's not really any surprises. But the one right. the one interesting thing is that Leo, as well as being the son of an immigrant, which I think may end up, he might be the first um, uh, first Irish Taoiseach if he wins, who doesn't have two Irish parents. Maybe Eamon de Valera, because he's had a weird name and I know he's born in America. Maybe he <laughs> didn't as well. Uh, but right. Leo is also openly gay. Um, so he'll be Ireland's first openly gay Taoiseach as well if he, gets, wow. if he wins. Which is, it's pretty important. It's one another first. Yeah. It's another first. Basically, what's happened is they're going to have an election in Fine Gael where the vote is 65% of the vote 
It comes from the elected uh, parliamentarians, so TDs, senators and MEPs, the guys in Europe. They all get all their votes add up to 65% of the total. Mm-hmm. Then 25% goes to councillors, uh, the local politicians. And then whatever the rest is that I can't remember the math for, go to the general membership. Like if you're a member of the party for two years, then you get a vote. But what's happened is, is that Leo apparently has been w- ruling the roost for in the background and he has 40 out of the 60, I think it's 40, about 40 out of the 60, um, uh, sorry, I've written down, uh, 44 <laughs> out of 63 declared parliamentary party members. So he already has 44, which is, he like he has over two thirds of the 65% already sewn up. So it looks like oh. he's pretty much going to win. Um, right. And it's it's incredible. Like everyone thought it was going to be a proper race. I was even, I had ideas for like a, a quick little segment podcast about getting two people from each side to debate each other, but it's not going to matter because Leo's going to win. It's over. <laughs> it's basically over just less than a couple of days after it started. Well, that's good. It sounds like less work for us. So, yeah, Well, you know, who was going to like, it would have been another excuse. Then we have to make up some other shit. Oh, fuck this whole, this podcast thing is hard, dude. Ah, man. That's why we keep drinking. That's why we keep- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what happened. Um, I'm going to mention another event in the world. Uh, it, it we're not uh, the United States isn't the only country that has a totally fucked up president. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that Brazil uh, last year they impeached um, their their sitting president and forced her to leave office. And um, mm-hmm. the Congress like turned around and did that to her. In kind of like it was pretty sketchy the way they did it. They basically all just agreed that they wanted to get rid of her, and they did, which is not a good thing in modern democracies. So she's gone and she got replaced with the head of the parliament, a dude who's so openly corrupt that he's already been impeached and can't run for the presidency. Wow. That was what they decided to replace her because it's weird. Yeah. So he is massively unpopular in Brazil, not only because of that, but he's also, he's enacting a lot of um, economic reforms. He's trying to cut a lot of the social programs that have been built up there in the last couple of years. It's actually interesting. If you look at the Western media, like BBC, New York Times, Financial Times, they're, they're kind of for him because they think that the reforms are going to be good for the economy. But the people in Brazil, they don't like him at all. And he is he's doing a lot of things that is affecting a lot of like regular working people. And it's not nice if you're there and you, you're not really sure what's going on. The currency collapsed with all this 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 chaos. So what happened during the week is that an audio recording of him telling a politician to keep bribing other politicians to keep them quiet. That, that, that was recorded and released and he says that's not me I, I, that, I, that, that, that is me on the recording but I didn't say those things what? I don't know I don't really understand how he's getting away with it and he says I'm not resigning because I didn't do nothing wrong even th- but that is me on the recording saying those things, but I didn't say those things. Oh, maybe, maybe he's doing the confusion tactic. I don't mm. know what way to, to what way is up now. He's he's taking a line from Trump's playbook. He's just like shouting as loud as he can, with so no one has a chance to ask any more questions while giving the fingers and backing out of the room, <laughs> punting babies. <laughs> it's soccer as well, so he he kick the ground, bicycle kicks some babies. <laughs> So he, yeah, uh, he's not going to resign um, pre- because he's already said he's not going to run again. He's kind of politically um, bulletproof. The only way they can get rid of him is if the same people who put him into power decide to get rid of him because it doesn't or look like... Or if they test whether he's literally bulletproof. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. We do talk a little too much about assassination on this podcast, it has to be said. You you do. You were the one who was one. gunning for Trump. You I were, didn't say you that were, one. You're, 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 yeah. you're going after Temer. That's what you're doing. That's the name of the guy. Well, we were, we've picked good politicians to have vendettas against. Yeah, we do. We're, we're leave. We're, yeah, if anyone deserves to be gotten rid of, it's those two. 
See, there you go again. Damn it. Walk me into it. Now I'm going to have the conspiracy charges the next time I go back to Brazil. Okay. So that's yeah, I knew some. I knew something was going on in Brazil because your wife was um, uh, posting stuff on Facebook, which she's posting it in um, Portuguese. I didn't know. I don't know what was happening, but I knew something was happening because there's a lot of exclamation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, she hates the guy. She was absolutely frantic and over the moon excited when it looked because... On the day that the news got released, he, he he said he was going to have a press conference and everyone was like, oh, he's going to resign. There's official news. He's going to resign. So she was watching it, expecting him to say he was going to resign. But then mm. he goes, uh, no resignation or whatever the actual Portuguese is. Oh, he's is. Russian. Oh, okay. That's I'm interesting. I'm trying my best to learn Portuguese, but it's a hard language. Okay. <laughs> he And then she was like, fucking bastard, motherfucker. Cursing in Portuguese is amazing to witness. It's terrifying, but also like yeah. kind of lyrical. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So she just screamed like crazy when he said he wasn't going to resign. Mm. So yeah, that's the news of the world. Um So what are we talk about this week, Steve? Uh let's go on a tangent and talk about monarchies. Can I pull up a message you sent to me when you were selling me on the idea of talking about monarchies this week? Okay. And I don't know what this'll set the tone for, I guess, the, the conversation we're about to have. But we were discussing two potential topics we we're going to talk about this weekend, and you were pushing for monarchies and I was pushing for a different one. You said I've some two messages here fucking freeloaders with crowns tradition question mark ask my balls burning witches used to be tradition too and eating swans for christmas you're just after revealing what my end argument is going to be i was going to take a very long time to get there <laughs> a very subtle and nuanced I seriously, and balanced argument i worked really hard to try and put some nice things in about them as well because like if anyone who knows me once i start talking about monarchs i get angry you jumped into this in our text thread almost immediately i was trying so. to sell you on the idea i was like that was going to be the reaction but I didn't know I was going to have to do it straight up. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it back now. You have me riled up now. I'm gonna take a sip of my white Russian. Okay, yeah, I'm ready to talk about it calmly. But as we talk about the subject, I will get more and more angry. That's to be expected. That's fine. Okay. So where do we start? Oh, I guess we start with Hey Steve, what are monarchies? A uh, bunch of freeloading. Motherfuckers <laughs> with crowns Ask me balls Wait, According to this message I should be addressing my questions To your balls <laughs> I was very clear On the subject Please yeah. hey, Steve's balls <laughs> What are monarchies? I don't even Bunch of free Motherfuckers Can you like Can you edit that To give it harmony? <laughs> Why do your balls Sound like that? I don't know how do you both um <laughs> This podcast this Steve, this podcast can't be our balls having a conversation with each other. I can't do an impersonation of my my balls now. I can't let the podcast sink that low. Okay. <laughs> I can oh, if you if you listen really if you if you're really quiet and you can listen, you can hear the sounds of Donald Mulligan rolling his eyes. <laughs> There's a swivel going on somewhere. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, Donald's going to collapse. Yeah, he's just, his eyes have disappeared into the back of his skull right now. <laughs> right. Oh. Monarchs. Anyway, monarchs. Monarchs. They've been around for a while, mm-hmm. an awful long time. And for some reason, 43 nations in the world still have them. So that's just 43? about- 43? Just under a third, I'd say, of the of the countries in the world. I think oh. there's like 180 or so countries and maybe a lot more if you start including the countries that aren't yet countries but want to be countries. But yeah, let's say 43, mm-hmm. just under a third. Mm-hmm. They've been like 
it's where do you even start because they've been around just so long it's so ingrained but it's also like uh, you kind of think about them abstractly something from the legends and the myths and the tv shows like oh game of thrones it's about the monarchs and stuff but that's not how it is now no but it was very recent that like that we just got rid of it that's why like most fantasy books and most yeah people love watching tv shows like the crown and they love british monarchy is essentially a massive tourist attraction now because people are still fascinated by Mm -hmm. the concept of how you can have these people that are oh all you have to do is look at any royal wedding oh yeah and the fanfare that goes along with it like it it really is like this ideological glimpse into a, a way of life or an idea of life that's so foreign to our everyday right now yeah, but then again, also, I guess because we're citizens of a nation that is a republic, so we don't have that those people ahead of us. But if you're a British citizen, you're essentially the subject of these people that get get married in massive fanfare. And you're the subject of someone that got squeezed out of another person's vagina just because they got squeezed out of the right <laughs> vagina that was made with the pe- uh, the right penis going into the right vagina. Like, it's it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. Why are they still there? Ugh. So anyway, they've been. They won't. There's. You can't actually go right. This dude, he's the first king. There wasn't like a guy who was like, "I am King Toro, and I am the first king, and all other people will like me because I'm the king." And then other ones, oh yeah, we want to be like King Toro. He's the dude. They just. Mm-hmm. They were always around. So the pharaohs in Egypt, they pretty much once civilization started popping up, they had these kings, they had these monarchs, and one of the first ever recorded stories that we have is the Epic of Gilgamesh, which comes from the people who are like the Persians now. Which is basically mm-hmm. a story of this big badass king. He's a character in Civ, and he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger with a massive, like, curly beard. <laughs> because the stories is just that he like apparently he um, loved beating people up, and that's how he became the king. But then he ran out of people to beat up at home, so he went on a quest to find a bigger person to beat up, and had like a rollicking adventure. So <laughs> he just got in a boat sailing around beating people up, pretty much. And it's like, well, it's a great idea for a king. So these kind of myths and, and stories they were created by the people who are putting themselves in charge to try and justify where they were in charge. But really, sociologically, if you look at it, the reason they're in charge is that they're the best at manipulating bigger people to beat up little people to put them in charge. Right. And that's just how it goes. And so then it's inherent, like humans want to pass on things to their children. So if you're the, if you're the boss of the tribe, you want your son or daughter, probably well, usually son, because that's how it usually works to be the, the boss of the mm-hmm. tribe. So mm-hmm. it kept, and then once we had recorded the civilizations, then they were still there. A couple of places around Europe, um, they realized that there's a lot of problems having your, your, your ruler being chosen just because again, they're, they came out of the right vagina made by the right penis. So places like the Roman Republic, they have a, they actually got rid of their kings and uh, decided to set up like a different system. And they were like anti-king for a good 500 years or so. And the Greeks, a few of the Greeks kind of had that kind of thing as well, where they were like, oh, no, we'll try and do democracy. Well, mm. you mean like everyone can vote? No, 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 no. Just like the really rich guys and not the women or the slaves or the people that aren't from here. Mm-hmm. So just like the, us 12 dudes, we're in charge. <laughs> But no, it's not a king. It's totally free. <laughs> so they had that for a while. And then yeah. the uh, we're going to hear Donald groan again. The Caesars took over Rome. <laughs> You're not here to correct me on that one now, Donald. <laughs> and uh, it kind of went back to like another form of monarchy. You had the emperors. And after that collapsed around the 500s or so, you had kind of a reversion back to kings. So a lot of the European countries, as they broke apart and became not part of the, the Roman Empire anymore, you had the local big dudes uh, well, not even the big dudes, just the guys who were the best at controlling the big dudes stood up and said, mm-hmm. we're the kings now, we're in charge of these different places. Dibs. And that's how it kind of went. Yeah, pretty much. Dibs, this is mine now. What? What's yours? All of this and you. <laughs> like, oh, okay. What if I don't like it? Then my buddy John, who I gave lots of free stuff to, he'll kick your ass. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense, my liege. <laughs> so 
that's how it went in Europe for a while. And then it's not it's not unique. Um, all pretty much. Well, actually, I hope I don't get corrected on this, but African tribes, they have chieftains, they have leaders. Essentially, it comes down to a form of monarchy, kingship that gets passed on from fathers to son. Um, maybe there could be a couple of tribes out there in the Amazon or maybe the Aborigines that had like a nicer way of doing it that didn't fall down in this system. But most of the way, Asia, Europe, Africa, America, Aztecs, they all had kings. Right. Usually tied to gods as well. So right. as we started building Wait, so, this. So, you, yeah. so just rewind a little bit. Did, did it start with the Egyptians? Or are you saying it's hard to pinpoint where it, it started yeah, because it just kind of gradually it, happened? Exactly. Like by the time we had the ability to record civilization, like and actually saying when people started realizing that if you chip marks that you, someone else can read into this stone, then that's a way to mm-hmm. pass on knowledge as opposed to just having people talk to each other and pass on the stories. Like the first written, like I said, Gilgamesh is one of the first recorded stories. They had kings and the pharaohs were already there by the time they started recording history in Egypt by drawing those weird little pictures, the hieroglyphs. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, they were, they were always just there essentially, I guess. And, but it's, it's not like, it's not actually unique to humans either. Um, chimpanzees have structures very similar are, to this. Sorry, one second. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that there is, there are chimpanzee kings. Okay. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm that's, saying. That's what I was afraid of. Now, Stephen, are you basing this off any sort of text source or journal or, even documentary, or are you basing this on the Planet of the Apes reboot movies? Um, I am basing uh, it on a text source, uh, a very good book written by a very smart dude called Yuval Noah Harari, and his book is called uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> Caesar, the biography. Yeah, uh, I can't actually remember. It's the, it, I'm looking at the second book. It's called Homo Deus. But then there's another one, Sapiens, I think it might be called, or The Story of Us. It's about where humans came from. And he talks about how chimpanzees can be observed of having essentially the similar systems that we that we guess that our ancestors came up with, where just because of the way that they structure each other into, like a social, into social groups, mm-hmm. it does seem to be inevitable that there are boss animals that turn up as well. And like humans I mean, are, yeah, that's that's not, that's nothing. New. Like the alphas, like there's, yeah. that's kind of ubiquitous across so that animal kingdom. We just, because we got more complicated in our way of structuring things, we had to create titles for the, for the people that were the alphas, as opposed to just the monkey that everyone listens to. It's now, it's the human that, oh, well, I'm the son of a God. You're like, uh, okay, alpha, whatever. So, so this, this, the, the son of a God, this is actually a literal thing that, that oh, yeah. certain monarchs actually tried to portray. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Roman emperors, once uh, Caesar um, took over, um, he immediately tried to tell himself out to be a god. And then once he was assassinated, which apparently is okay to assassinate gods or possible, that kind of moots the whole point. His When his, uh, his nephew took over then as the first official emperor, he officially made Julius Caesar a god. So he then literally became the son of a god. And then from then, all the inheritors take the same title of Caesar and basically children of God. The pharaohs as well, they said that we are literal gods, not just the sons of gods, but we're gods. The the, the Japanese emperor um, before World War II, he was a god. And they, they, they get treated with the kind of veneration that you would give an actual god in those kind of senses as well. Like speaking against them would be considered blasphemy. If you think about a way to sow a power, it's a pretty good way to do it. If Trump could yeah, go around I and mean, say, don't diss me, I'm a god. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> but please, nobody give that guy a history book. He will definitely try that tactic. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was like they, they literally did call themselves gods. Mm. Um, they, and then 
it's still it still is a thing actually it's worth mentioning now because I'm going to forget to do it if I don't say it now but the like a lot of the European monarchies like the for example the Church of England the official head of the Church of England and therefore God's representative on earth for, earth for that religion reli- for that religion is the Queen she is the head of a religion therefore there because God said that she should be there they still do use the whole God thing to justify where they're around so is this a similar thing in Catholicism with the Pope the Pope being the God's appointed well, um, go, yeah. his go-to guy on earth yeah 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 so basically yeah does she have like infallibility when it comes to matters of no. religion no because no. well not i think the youth up until like was it the 80s i can't remember but up sometime in the 20th century the pope was totally infallible until he yeah. actually said no i'm not infallible don't worry about that oh the pope's not infallible anymore no 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 jesus no they got rid of that. infallibility isn't a thing no no they got rid of that ages ago oh why well, when it just came to religious issues like I'm not saying about everything, but like when if he's saying something about Catholicism, that that's just, that's it. But that's not a thing anymore. No, I don't even think they have that. Like he used to just be totally 100% infallible. But I think even on religion, he, he can say things and people are like, oh, well, he, we obviously have to listen to what he says because he's the head of the religion. But I don't think it, it becomes the word of God like it was before. It's just the opinion yeah. of the most important Catholic rather than it being like an infallible opinion. Right. So yeah, no, but Queen Lizzie, she doesn't have that because part of the split when the Protestants, they'd like, they recognize the whole infallibility thing as being ridiculous because obviously that would mean that there's like a God is controlling the lips of these people and making them say these things, mm. which is obviously what they want you to think because that's the power. So no, she doesn't have that. When the Church of England split, they, they, they were like, oh, well then if we don't have the Pope as the head of our religion, who are we going to have? And King Henry VIII was like, me dibs <laughs> that's most of this monarchy thing is just someone's ancestors shouting dibs louder than everyone else that's what it is that's what it is so we, i think we left it off with like the european monarchs and that's after the roman empire they were all around so we started developing a bit people started to get a bit smarter and you know they started to go ah yeah yeah you're the representative of god on earth and all that but yeah, i don't know if i if i actually think about it with my brain i can see that that's kind of stupid and it's it's mm. kind of but once the protestant revolution started happening people were like oh well maybe we don't actually have to even believe in this god thing so that kind of moots your power so mm. And then the English actually temporarily cut the head off one of their monarchs during the English Civil War. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. They temporarily cut the head off. (laughs) Cutting the head off someone is not a temporary process. You're right. So they temporarily removed the monarchy by cutting the head off Charles I. Okay, there you go. Temporarily cut the head off. (laughs) They cut it off. Realized they made a mistake. Went, sorry, Chuck. Seven years later. (laughs) Can we just glue it back on? It's still good. It's still good. (laughs) It's just a little decapitated. (laughs) Temporarily removed. Okay, anyway, yeah. So then once Cromwell cut off his head, took over England, but after Cromwell died, they kind of realized they didn't like that decision, so then they put Charles's son in charge, and then kings came back into power in the UK. That was before the American Civil War, even or the American, not even the American Civil War, the American War for uh, Independence. Even before the Americans started challenging the rule of the king, the English had already done it, but they took it back. Right. And it was happening in a few other places around Europe as well. You had these like challenges against the kings, and things broke up. But usually, what would happen is, is that you would temporarily have like a little republic, but some king would come back in and take over. So like Holland were a republic for a while, but they have a king now. So yeah, it's like there was like back and forward going on. Um, mm. the But then the American Revolution, I'd say that's probably the first point where you had like a like a full on mass movement anti-king thing that really took hold and actually changed the fate of the country and got rid of it. And then they set up the Republican in, in, in its place. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of the Europeans, especially the French, were looking at that and going, yeah, yeah you're right. We don't need these kings that, that, like, steal all our stuff and rule and, you know, we don't need them. Dare we question the dibs? <laughs> it was like, well, maybe if all of us come together and shout dibs, we'll drown out his shouting of dibs. And if we cut off his head, he can't shout dibs. Yeah, unless we do it temporarily. <laughs> so they didn't do it temporarily. They just chopped off King Louis's head and uh, the French Revolution pretty much ripped apart that country because it, w- it turned out not to be a very nice thing. It wasn't like a calm, orderly le- revolution like the Americans where most of the fighting was political. When the French started fighting with each other, they did it with guillotines. Wait. The American Revolution was calm. I meant like the afterwards part. So once they like oh, took the power. Right. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Like they, they, they like they order, or, orderly set up this nation that is still there today. Whereas when the French uh, overthrew their um, king and they decided to keep chopping heads, they chopped the heads off all the aristocrats. They chopped the hey, head. This is pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like a big man. <laughs> I got, I got I got eight heads. How many heads do you have? <laughs> I don't know why French people sound like this. <laughs> they sound like they're from the south of America. Uh, hey, Jack, oh, sacre bleu. <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to put away my um my IPA and switch over to my coffee. <laughs> it's happened. It's happened. Yeah, it's happened. We've reached we've reached the event horizon. So even after the French did all that, once they realized that they were chopping off way too many heads, this dude called Napoleon turned up and was like, I can take care of those heads. <laughs> Let's stop chopping <laughs> off heads. Oh yeah, okay. And then I got all these guys and he's like, Dibs, I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm, oh God. I'm the emperor now. I'm in charge of France. So, and then he actually got France's act together, but he still, it still was technically the nation of a revolution. So a lot of the English and, well, the English king, the German kings, the Austrian kings, they were kind of looking at France going, we really shouldn't let the French get away with this because if our people start seeing how easy it is to chop off the heads of monarchs, then maybe we might get our heads chopped off. Legitimate concern. Yeah, legitimate concern. Like our, our dibs may be taken. So they, and they started loads of wars against France and uh, we, like this isn't what I'm Napoleon. So I'll just quickly say that Napoleon and fought a shit ton of wars but then as he was fighting the wars for about 10 years and also being in charge he basically tried to set himself up as a monarch because he he, he, did, he didn't think that he'd be able to hold on to his power he, li- he liked the feeling of having the dibs and he wanted to be able to pass the dibs on to his family mm-hmm. he basically just tried yes. to copy what all the other monarchs had done before him yeah. and then eventually the French did end up with another monarch for a while during the 19th century. After the revolutionary stage, they things started to calm down and um, d- democracy started getting rolled out in a couple of the countries. So even though you would have a king, you would also, like, some people would be like, okay, we can start giving the poor people votes as well because I guess, you know, we it's the safest way to hold on to our dibs. But then mm-hmm. people were like, oh, yeah, we like this ruling thing. And then I guess the UK, after the English Civil War, they kind of, they pulled their act together and they started like putting a lot more um, power into Parliament and taking the power away from the king. So by the time it got to the Queen Victoria stage, um, I think she was in charge for most of like the 19th century, just after the Napoleonic shit. um, Mm -hmm. She had really lost all of her power and it was like a democratically elected government that was doing most of the ruling. So a lot of the countries across Europe started following the same system. Right. Some countries, they out and out got rid of their monarchs. They were just like, ah, we don't need them anymore. So... They kind of just like stepped aside or changed. They may have had like a mini revolution, not as dramatic right. or dangerous as the other ones going on before. And then other places like, for example, Ireland, we used to be part of the United Kingdom. But then when we 
we decided to set up our own Irish country. We separated. But then, like, in the 1920s, you weren't going to turn around and go, oh, well, let's make Michael Collins the king. (laughs) Because that would kind of take away the whole point of setting up, like, a revolution for the people. And that happened all across Europe. There was, like, all these little sub-nations created. And when they did get created, sometimes they did actually get a king. So, like, Belgium has, like, a recent monarch. And that's that's kind of like a... How recent? Like the 1860s or so. Which, yeah. Not that recent, Steve. Well, we're talking about pharaohs and shit here. Like... (laughs) (laughs) This is a pretty broad episode. It, yeah, it's pretty recent. So that's kind of the way it went. And then uh, we lost a couple more monarchs in World in World War One. So the Kaiser of Germany, he he he, he kind of overreached and tried to make himself like an old fashioned king. Uh, mm-hmm. Lost the war and had to fuck off. They didn't kill him though. They let him retire, and he lived outside of Germany. He was still alive in World War Two as well. Actually, yeah. uh, he was really hoping that Hitler would call him back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hitler was like, no, fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, so, and the Russians, they kind of had the same thing. Well, they, <laughs> they did not have an, an easy revolution. They had the, the Soviet Bolshevik revolution and uh, the monarch, the royal family ended up getting gunned down in a basement and no one really found their bones afterwards. Oh, Pretty dark fuck. shit. Yeah, there was still some dark stuff. Happening. That's like the opposite of what happened to the German Kaiser. Didn't get to live on a little farm. Yeah, well. Just patiently sitting by a phone waiting for Hitler's call. <laughs> <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what Drake's hotline bling is about. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. What what is a Drake hotline bling? <laughs> so they all started to crumble around this point, and basically any monarchies that were left over started becoming more ceremonial. Is that in the, Europe? Yeah, happened? definitely. Like we're talking, we're, we're okay. concentrating on Europe here, pretty much entirely. Um, the Japanese, after they fought and lost World War Two, the same thing was nearly about to happen. The Americans were like, "This emperor dude, he's he's the source of all this fucking war. We need to get rid of that guy." But as part of the peace process and the rebuilding of Japan, they were allowed to keep the emperor, but he had to be an entirely ceremonial, essentially totally removed from politics. It's in the Japanese constitution that the emperor has to be totally apolitical. Right. And that's actually causing problems at the moment because the current Japanese emperor, he's old. He's a really old dude and he is tired and he would like to retire, but he can't actually, it's not in the, it's the emperor can't retire. Okay. You can't abdicate because it's it's the hangover from the uh, from the emperor being a god. He can't. Right. He, can't so he just has to die at the moment. So, but if he, he wants out of this shit. He has to die. He wants to go retire, play Pokemon on a farm. Like he, he he's done. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a sweet life. That would be lovely. <laughs> Fuck. But he That's can't cool. actually say that because that would be a political statement. He would be. Asking Playing him. Pokemon on a farm. He can't say, he can't I want to go he can't catch say, Pikachu's nope, under my ranch. No, nope, because that would be the emperor asking for a change to the constitution, which is a political act. So he uh. couldn't. So he gave a speech last year where he pretty much talked around the subject. <laughs> Basically just said for 90 minutes, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm so old. Anyone else, uh, anyone else download Pokemon Go? Else, uh, <laughs> uh, but it looks like they're actually going to give him what he wants. They, they got the message. They're going to, it looks like they might change the constitution to allow him to retire. Um, Aww, but there's a way. That'd weird... be cute the day he goes out to his farm and just like rubs his eyes in the sun <laughs> that he's seen for the first time and just starts frolicking. He takes off his old Japanese samurai armor, puts on like a little straw hat and like <laughs> got a piece of, piece of straw on his mouth. Like, well, time to catch some Pikachu. <laughs> I got seven heads. <laughs> Why is everyone so Southern? Um, yeah, so he's done. Uh, he, hopefully soon he'll get to he get what he wants and retires. But there's a weird thing going how old, on. How old is he? Ah, he's like in his seventies. He's pretty old, maybe seventies or eighties. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's about time he gets the chance to retire. 
Poor guy. European European monarchs, um, apart from the British one, it's quite common for them to retire. Um, the Dutch queen retired recently, and her son took over. He's a middle, like he's in his forties or so. His mom wasn't much older; I think she was like late sixties or so. So she got to retire, and now she's living out. The Swedes and the the Spanish, they kind of do the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. They let them retire when they want to, just because, like, it's yeah, it's it's normal. Mm-hmm. We basically, it's so ceremonial now that they're not even pretending that there's any weird voodoo mysticalness to these people anymore it's just like okay we still have that tradition we're deciding to keep it so it's okay to retire it's not going to be we're not disturbing god's will by letting that happen right right but in japan another weird thing actually the royal family cannot marry commoners it's it's against the rules right so oh i heard about this but there's there's a princess she's the oldest grandchild of the emperor she wants to marry a commoner she's it's a dude that he she met when she was working for a law firm or something like that oh i thought it was in college i think or maybe they were like trainee lars or something it was like yeah yeah and they've been going out for ages and they want to get married now and uh the only the only way that she can do that is if she revokes her royal royalness oh yeah but that's like a modern day fairy tale She's going to do it. And apparently her uh, her auntie uh, did it before. <laughs> she married this dude. She like moved into a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. She had to learn how to do things like buy groceries and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. This is all very romantic and, and magical and wonderful. But when you think about that dude, that's like the most pressure on any boyfriend ever. <laughs> it's like this, this girl is literally giving up this like all encompassing uh, power to go be with you. And you've... You now have the responsibility of being just the best boyfriend ever. Husband. Because if you, husband, sorry, because if you fuck that up. Pretty much, because she's like, I gave up my royalness for this. Please yeah. do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play Destiny 2. Why didn't you hoover? Oh, you know, I gave up my royalness. Yeah, she can bust out that car whenever like, she wants. Hey, honey, do you want to go see the new, uh, the new Fast and the Furious movie? No, I want to go see uh, the new Bridget Jones movie. Oh, I don't know. Hey, I gave, I gave up my royalness. Okay. Bridget Jones I gave up it is. the power of dibs for this. <laughs> so I'm keeping the power of dibs in our relationship forever. Yeah, so that's probably going to happen to that poor person. Um, Other weird shit is going on. It turned out the guy who is the Dutch king now, when he was a prince, maybe still when he's a king, um, goes into disguise to fly KLM passenger planes. Wait, what? Say that again? The Dutch king? Yeah. Goes, like... Puts on a disguise. I don't know if it's a literal like fake mustache. You dress up as a pilot and goes fly flies for KLM. Yeah, he's for a quali- KLM. He's a qualified pilot. Like he's not just he's not just going. I'm the prince. I'm the prince. Let me fly the plane. I'm the prince. He's south again. <laughs> so, That's crazy. Yeah, he apparently he did it to like uh, he just loves doing. It. He loves to fly and everyone's like, oh yeah, it's kind of nice. That's one way for him to keep in touch with his the common people with the clouds. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it, um, so I, they don't announce it. Like you know, when the captain comes on over the intercom, he doesn't say, hey. It's your king here. He was a he was, up. he was always a co-pilot, so I guess he wouldn't have to talk. Oh, so that's the oh, okay. But he the, the co the pilot would actually let him fly because he'd be like, because uh, he's the king. He's the king. Dibs. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, and everyone's like, oh, he's so cool. That's so quirky. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Him. Okay, so now we're get now we're getting to, okay, let's use this as a transition. What are your gripes with monarchs? What is your gripes with the institution of of um, monarchies? It's because just, you clearly have quite a few. Yeah, I've mentioned it quite a few times already, but it just it's it's so ridiculous that people still accept these hereditary positions. Like these people, the only thing that happened is that they got born and they're automatically better, like given a better place in society than everybody else, just because of the fact that they were born. Not only that, but like they are the heads of their nations. 
just because they were born. It doesn't make any sense. It's been so far established that every, like, if you give people the freedom and the ability to go and chase their wills and their dreams and you give them the resources to do so, then you can do it and they can have good and happy lives and be just as great and productive as anybody else. So why are you scratching all that and saying, no, 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 fuck the meritocracy. We're going to have a king. We're still going to have a king. It's, it's just fundamentally, morally, it's a bad thing to have built into your nation. The, mm. it's 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 keeping up the aristocracy it's keeping up these old-fashioned traditions that people use as an excuse to to lord over other people like literally i'm a lord i'm in charge that still exists in the countries <laughs> that have these kings and monarchs there are dukes there are duchess it's not just the kings right the entire aristocracy still exists there yeah you still have people that have more power than someone else just because they got it when they were born like obviously i'm not an, i'm not like a crazy anarcho socialist where i want to tear down all society and like reduce the only like we're all born in into like communal pods and we don't know our parents because that would essentially be the only way to get rid of hereditary benefits. But still, like obviously I'm saying that like because I was born into a middle class family in Ireland, I had a lot better than other kids that weren't born into middle class family in Ireland. Of course, but of course. if I was born as a royal, I would have had it even fucking better. And not only that, yeah. but then if I felt like it, I could be the king. <laughs> it's just, it's not right. It's just wrong. It's, it's just, oh. and people are like, yeah, but it's nice and it's tradition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, nothing, nothing anyone could say could ever turn me around to the fact. And then people are like, oh, well, you know, the Queen of England. And now I may potentially piss off a lot of our UK listeners when I particularly ride <laughs> on, on Queen Lizzie. But everyone's like, oh, she's served so much of her life to do it and for service. And OK, fine. Yes, she has. She has certainly been a very good queen. Like she mm-hmm. she has avoided scandal as much as she could. She Mm-hmm. She she does work her ass off by going to all these events. Clearly, working her like she's she's been doing it her whole life. Yeah, she's no spring chicken right now. Absolutely not, and she still does it. So that is that yeah. is that is certainly commendable. She does, admirable for sure. She is she is doing a good job in her job, but she only has yeah. that job because she was born into it. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely wrong. So that's so your problem is with like the fundamental institution yeah. and the setup, not like specifically Queen Lizzie. No, because as you say, you acknowledge the, the good that she's done. So in your mind, so taking the um, not the good that she has done in general, but the good job that she has done in that terrible job that she has. Right. Yes. Yes. That's, yeah. So it's not like a personal thing with Queen Lizzie um, or individual people fact, within the system. It's like the system as a whole. I wish that they would like. They're not going to do it because some people still traditionally believe in it. They they take the opposite view to me. They say no, it's a good thing for whatever reason. I, fuck it, I don't even want to get into it. But it would be nice if they just say, okay, after Queen Elizabeth passes away, we won't have any more monarch. Like, they could do that. And let's become yeah. a republic. Yeah. But they're not going to do it. But that won't happen. That won't happen. There's not enough people that... Like, there is there is a, a movement in the UK. I think it's called republic.co.uk or something like that. They actually mm-hmm. want to see it happen. And every so often, they get a bit of time on the media. But they're a token political movement. It's nothing serious. Like, none of the main political parties um, talk about it. Even the SNP, the Scottish National Party, who want independence for Scotland, they aren't brave enough to say they want the Scottish Republic. They actually still say they want to have the Queen as the head of state. They just want to leave the UK. Uh, because it's so too... The Queen will still have a ceremonial position over yeah, Scotland. She would still, she would, she would have the same role that she has in the UK. In fact, the Queen of England is the head of state in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and loads of other Commonwealth countries. Yeah. She's still on the, still on the money. She's still, like, that's it. Like, she is just, she has the same job for those countries as she does for the UK. Huh. Like, it's crazy. Why is Canada still have a queen? Has anyone told Canada about this? They love it. They love having a queen. Okay. I, I don't know whether maybe they just forgot. No, no, they know. No, no, the Canadians, they're way too nice to forget. They love <laughs> genuflecting to her, her royal majesty. Mm. And the, the, um, there's a queen's representative who's part of their governmental structure. It's, it's, oh, really? It's, it's wacky. Yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. 
There's a dude. There's a dude in Canada who does the things that she does in in Parliament. Wow, it's not nice. And Australia flirted with it, like getting rid of her and becoming a republic, but they didn't go through with it. Right. The same in New Zealand. I mean, if it's not having any like impact on the day to day, it's not, is it? Because again, it's purely ceremonial. Do you think there's any sort of implications whatsoever? No, that's the point. Yeah, because she's not actually rolling around asking for people. It's not. She's not acting like King Joffrey out of Game of Thrones. Good. It's good. Yeah. So people are like, okay, it's it's fundamentally a nice thing to have this queen. It sets us as, it sets us as being something different to have it as opposed to all them wacky republics all around the world. But <laughs> I don't agree with it because it's. Right. You're setting yourself up to have this built into your system. Just get rid of it. It's old fashioned. It's weird. I mean, not only that, but the Windsor family, they were, they were called, a, I, I can't remember, were they called the Hanover, the House of Hanover or Habsburgs or something? I can't remember. They had a German name because back when Victoria took over all, and like the George, actually one of the Georges, the guy who was the king in the American Revolution time, they'd lost all their own English bred monarchs and they had to go get these Germans to come in who were like distant relations. Really? Yeah. So like. Ah, and then it kept on going up to the point that they got more Germans over and like Victoria had a German mom and she married a German dude. So essentially the royal family is more German than it is British. <laughs> that's a that's a common joke made about them actually. Just, just all done in the interest of preserving royal stock. Yeah, exactly. Because it's part of the thing. Like up until, I think Kate Middleton might be the first one that actually, and maybe, well, Camilla, she's not royal. I don't think maybe yeah. she is. But uh, Kate Middleton isn't royal. She's like one of the first commoners to marry into the royal family. And then the fact that you have to actually specify that she's a commoner, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, what? commoner is such a fucking dirty word but as well. But that's what like they it's... say, because that's what you have to do when you have this structure built into it. Like yeah. there, there are there are nobility and there are commoners. <sighs> yeah, commoner is such a fucking disgusting. Not not, not there's nothing wrong with the word commoner, just like the, the use, the fact that they're using this word, com, like the choice exactly. of vocabulary that they're implementing is fucking awful. So that's my royal against it. That's that's what I got yeah. against it. So thumbs down from Steve. Thumbs down, anti anti monarchy, Steve. <laughs> In this podcast review of the monarchy, it's a <laughs> thumbs down, two stars. <laughs> so is that? Do you think that's all I need to know about monarchies? Rant aside. Yeah, we didn't even mention that there are still absolute monarchies in the world. So why we, we talked a lot about the European style, the constitutional ones. And there are still in countries that aren't as lucky to have these evolutions into like democracies. They still have absolute monarchies in places like the Middle East where the sultans essentially control all the power. And it isn't always a good thing for if if you go against them, you get your head chopped off. But then permanently, permanently, (laughs) not temporarily. Actually, there is one still. There are two absolute monarchies left in Europe. Liechtenstein, which is a country, Mm -hmm. has an absolute monarch of like, it's like a country. 30,000 people. Liechtenstein. It's in between France and uh, Germany, I Looking think. It up now. Maybe it's in between. You know them from the football. They would play against, they'd be like in one of the European groups and you go play them and like the postman would be the, the striker and the doctor <laughs> would be the goalkeeper because there's no one else left in the country. Uh, yeah, they have an absolute monarch. The, the guy who rules that tiny little place is the monarch and he... he his, Their population is 37,000 people. Yeah. Monaco is another tiny little country. It's at the south of France, a very nice place. It also has a prince who pretty much rules the place. And Andorra, which is a tiny little country in between France and Spain. And they have a co-prince. So you know the way Emmanuel Macron became the French president recently? Mm -hmm. He also became the prince, a co-prince of Andorra, shared with the (laughs) Archbishop of Andorra. That's a fun little perk, isn't it? That's go, a fun yeah, little work yeah. perk. No one ever mentions that. President of France and co-prince of Andorra. Co-prince. Dem- Demi-prince. Oh yeah, and the Pope. He's a prince. 
He's the prince. He's, what? He's the absolute monarch of, of uh, the Vatican. He's the prince of Rome. Man, pretty cool sounding titles. That's why people keep them because it's cool. It sounds better than the really p- impresses the ladies. Because <laughs> well, that's what popes. That's what popes care about impressing <laughs> the ladies. That's why I got this big white hat, bitches. <laughs> so yeah, okay, I'm, I'm done talking about monarchies now. We swept through it. We did it all. Well, then, Steve, I think this is the perfect opportunity to talk about our new segment. Now that you're all riled up. Yep. Um, what were we calling it? You. You you had a name for it. Uh, what I'm how to keep sane or something like what, that. What I'm ke- yeah. What I'm keeping us sane. What I'm keeping us sane. Yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. Quite often when we're having these conversations, you end up going, oh man, politics. Yeah, I get is really terrible. sad, and yeah. you get really riled up and yeah. worked up, and we so need something. We need, we need like a palate cleanser. And because politics is so front and center in like most of the media that we consume these days, because it keeps on being crazy and you can't get away from it. It's always good to have something to just switch off and back off and stay the feck away from politics. Yes. So, yeah, we're going to tell each other about what we've found. Yeah, exactly. To keep us saying stuff that like you can use to switch off your brain from politics and hopefully people listening can. All this stuff I'll link in the show notes as well. So I want you to go first because what I have is a little bit weird and I kind of want to see what you brought to the table first. I'm going to go nice and simple and just say that I watched, I binge watched a, a TV show over one day. <laughs> I was working a night shift, so I like started watching one episode. It's a uh, Masters of None season two. Oh, fuck yeah. It was really good. It was so good. It's so good. That show. So I've got one episode left, I think. That is a fantastic show. Yeah, I really loved the first season last year. I didn't think I would because while like... Uh, Aziz Ansari, he's like a really funny guy in Parks and Rec. I didn't really like his stand-up, his own stuff either. But mm. he went, I, like, it's it's cool, it's interesting, it's something different. It's nothing like a regular sitcom. It's th- it's more like in the vein of Louis or those mm. other kind of, like, interesting new single-camera sitcoms they've been doing recently. You wouldn't even call mm. it a sitcom, sitcom. It's like a comedic drama, almost. Like, sometimes yeah. there's, there's not even any jokes. It's just like you're watching these people. And it's like, in the writing, I've been reading about it because, like, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I like to read articles about stuff that I enjoy. And interviews with him, it's like they, they emphasize mood as much as like the comedy. And you can, For sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I binge watched it all in one day. I haven't done that before. I don't think we're ever watched like an entire season. It was like eight hours long. Watched the whole thing. It was. Uh, it's, it's super human. It's super sweet. It's like it's a really like it goes between like being a really cute show, but then also getting really heartfelt, really dramatic, really sad, really happy. Yeah. It just feels very real, very raw. Yeah. Uh, there's one episode, I think my favorite episode in the season that I've seen so far. Um is the New York I Love You episode. Oh, that was where it's brilliant. Just, yeah, it's just a little chronicling of a bunch of different interwoven stories of um, people in New York. And like real people as well, not like this super sexy, shiny, big apple kind of thing. Yeah, it's it like, starts, it, it's, it's, you start with the, the character Dev played by Aziz. He's like walking through the city. And then as he's walking past a doorman, the camera stops. He walks away. And now we follow the story of the doorman. And then mm-hmm. I think the doorman, does he, he puts someone into a taxi. Yeah, it's a it's a deaf lady into a taxi, and a de- then all yeah. of a sudden the sound shuts off entirely. And yeah. this fucked because I was listening. To the, I was that watching was this. So good. I was watching this on my laptop at night with headphones on, and I I felt like I went deaf in that moment. I, like I've seen this trick implemented before, but usually they would just drop out like the diegetic sound and keep in music, or they'd muffle the sound, or they'd do something. But it's such a ballsy move to remove one of the senses entirely. Yeah. And so you're just left with a good chunk of the show. I'd say it's about probably 11, 12 minutes or so where there's absolutely no sound and you're just experiencing this character the way she 
experiences life. Yeah, and just really, really well done. Uh, was, we won't we won't give too much away. It was so well written. Yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah. The, but then the best segment is actually my favorite one, the last one with the African taxi drivers. That was just so adorable. They're all brilliant. Yeah, it was, it was I wish the show. Really I, I want to see a sitcom just about those guys. It was great. Yeah, those guys are great. Yeah, yeah. So look, it was just it's a really, really, really well made, well written, fantastically shot. Like really, they like intentionally cinematic and so many times it's brilliant. Oh yeah, like they shoot it in um that two. 0.39 aspect ratio so it looks like a movie like they letterbox it yeah. and the cinematography is just beautiful yeah like that first episode takes place in italy and it's all shot in black and white yes yeah, the in the bicycle thief uh bicycle thief um style yeah, yeah. so yeah that's okay, that's what yeah. i did that kept me sane but uh, now I'm what e- i did eager to hear yours <laughs> so the thing that was keeping me sane um i'll preface this story by asking you a question are you aware of the the phenomenon of when you um when you're watching a video or listen to a recording and you slow it down to half speed, did the person in the recording sounds drunk? Are you aware of this? Yeah, because uh, I, when I was working for Finnegale and Enda Kenny, uh, we recorded a video with him and it was just him talking to the camera, like saying what he wanted to do in this election that was coming up. Immediately mm-hmm. afterwards, someone took the video, slowed it down, photoshopped a black eye on him and put a cigarette <laughs> into his hand. And he was like, the thing about Ireland is I want the recovery to be good. So yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, so this is something that I've been aware of for a while. I think Jer pointed out to me, friend of the show, Jer. And I was watching this week. One of the ways I disengage at night is to watch cooking videos on YouTube, like just recipes and stuff. I find really? it super relaxing. Oh, yeah, cute. I love to cook. And this is kind of how I got into it by watching just really calming videos of chefs making things. And one of my favorite chefs to watch is Gordon Ramsay because there's something about his voice. He has this really <laughs> relaxing voice and he Wait, cooks kind of. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay has a relaxing voice? Oh, yeah. So when he's not in Hell's Kitchen or those hotels from hell or whatever, and he's shouting at people, when he's actually just talking, he's got this act like going through a recipe. It's actually quite nice and therapeutic. I ah. encourage you to listen to it. I don't yeah. think I've ever not watched him shouting at someone. Yeah, yeah. You forget that he's actually a very good chef who's <laughs> very good at just cooking. He's not just like a hitman. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So a lot of the times I'll watch his his YouTube channel and his recipes because he does these kind of little obscure takes on traditional dishes, um, which I really enjoy and I like doing myself. Uh, and he's got this series where he shoots, um, they shoot him doing these recipes in his family home and he gets one of his kids to help him with it. And it's supposed to be this like adorable kind of father-son bonding experience where the father's teaching his kid how to cook and by extension teaching you how to cook at the same time. But for whatever reason, I think... I was watching a some some tutorial or something prior on YouTube where I had slowed it to speed down to half speed so I could pay attention to the details. So when I clicked on this Gordon Ramsay video, <laughs> it was in half speed. And it went from being this adorable thing where a father's teaching his son how to make this cool piece of cooking. It turned into a father and son drunk coming home <laughs> after a night out and cooking something <laughs> fucked up and weird in the kitchen. <laughs> That's and so what it, I did was I boy, went, put more <laughs> coriander in there. Yeah, that's what, that's what it turned into. So I went, I went through and I like did this with so many of his videos where he's cooking with his kids, and it's just drunk Gordon Ramsay, his drunk child in the kitchen, just like talking shit to each other. I don't know, like nine or ten. Oh or something. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> so I'll actually here. Tell you what, I'm going to edit in a clip now. Now you love pickles, right? Love pickles. You can definitely eat that straight away. Can't wait to dig into it at dinner. Aren't they delicious? Yeah. Wow, what, um, a, what a great clip. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can, you can try this yourself afterwards. Oh, now I have to listen to the podcast a little. Oh, yeah, no, I'll, no. I'll, um, 
I'll include links to the episodes in the show notes that you should click on and watch Half Speed because it's so funny and it, it brought me tremendous laughter. Can you watch, you can watch any YouTube video at Half Speed? Yep, if you click on the cog in the bottom right, um, it gives you your resolution settings and there's also speed setting and you can go, for, I think if you go down to quarter speed, there's no sound, but half speed, there's slow-mo sound. And you can also do 2x as well if you want to see someone absolutely ah. or something really quick. Yeah, it's ah. actually really handy. But yeah, that's always keeping me sane. Drunk Gordon Ramsay and drunk <laughs> children cooking. Uh, so that's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah, we've covered monarchy. We've talked about what kept us sane and that's it. Cool. That's it. Thank you for listening, guys. Um, thank you for downloading. You know, listening to a podcast is a big deal. Like taking an hour out of your day to listen to two people talk shite is no small ask. And we really do appreciate it, but we'd like to keep it going. So please yeah. feel free to share it. And the contact on social media is always appreciated. Well, if you want to come on to Twitter and tell me how I'm wrong about monarchies, please do. Uh, so what on politics on Twitter and also on Facebook. Oh, and yeah, yeah. We have the, that new website. Sorry, I keep forgetting to, to talk about that website. Uh, so we have a new website, which is a better layout. So it's easier to browse through our previous episodes. But we also have a fun new blog section to that where Steve has been working diligently to update it with all of the hot, sexy political news. Yeah. It's hot I, and it's sexy, right? It's totally hot and totally sexy. Like I just had a so. piece about the Finnegale leadership contest. Woo. Ooh la la. Which is over anyway, so there's no point in reading that. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, dude. You are very bad at marketing, Steve. <laughs> uh, go to the website, read the blogs. It's all great. It's all great. We had a guest yeah. blog recently by uh, David Helian. Um, friend of the show. Friend, I love saying friend of the show. Friend of the show, dude based in Germany, knows his stuff. He he, he did a, a breakdown of what is the IMF. So if you want, we're, something we probably won't ever do an actual podcast on until we forget everything else that could possibly be left. Well, until then, you have this uh, blog post for, to read. Have a, have a gander. Uh, thank you to Supermarket Love for the team music, as ever. I was chatting to him, actually, during the week about, um, remember our Eurovision episode with Donald, where we talked about renaming the song, and Donald suggested we name it to Love 22 times. And so I spoke to Hassan about changing the actual SoundCloud title. What do you say? So we were going, we were, <laughs> he's all for it, but we were going back and forth between the logistics of it. Like, is it Love X 22? Is it, like, in quotes, love 22 times end quotes um and we settled on actually typing the word out love 22 times in sequence <laughs> so uh, he hasn't done it yet but i'm going to get on to him so he does it before this episode goes live so if you and i always include in the show notes so if you want to check it out it should say love 22 lo- the word love written out 22 times but thank you to him for writing that theme music that's it that's it see you Richie. do we do, <laughs> do do we have a funny ending uh is that your balls again Goodbye, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Just for you, Donald. Bye. Bye. That was lefty.